Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Jenny Biorum is a speech-language pathologist who is known for her expertise in childhood apraxia of speech. When we sat down for this interview for the podcast, I was blown away by her candor and generosity about sharing her private practice journey with her private practice, Children's Therapy Services. She shares everything from starting to growing, hiring to firing, starting programs and then having to shut them down, going from one location to two locations and everything in between. And she did this while starting her now wildly successful publishing company, the Orem Speech Publications. Jenny and I have known each other for a long time, and there was so much of her story that I didn't know, and I'm glad to share it with you today. Jenny shares in this episode that she never used to think of herself as an entrepreneur, but she now fully embraces that identity as she's blossomed into owning not just one business, but multiple businesses, and how she's grown in the process. Whether you're already a Jenny Biorum super fan or you just want to know the lessons that she's learned along the way, this is an amazing episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place. So let's get started. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice and businesses? So my name's Jenny Bioram. I am a speech pathologist. I live in sunny Colorado and I have a private practice. I've been in private practice for 21 years. I have two locations in Kansas. So I live in Colorado, but my private practices are in the Kansas City area. And then my other business is beyond speech publications. I love this. You know, Jenny, people know who you are. People see you on social and, you know, CUs and all kinds of other stuff. But like not everyone knows the backstory of how you kind of came to where you are now. So let's go back to the beginning. Can you please share a little bit about your early career as a speech pathologist? And like, when did all of this business stuff get started for you? Early career, I worked in the schools right out of graduate school. And I 
picked up some early intervention work on the sides, kind of started my own little private practice because in early intervention in Kansas and Missouri, you were a contractor. So I was a 1099. Um, I wasn't an employee. So I was an employee full time in the schools. And then I was like, you know, I want to get my toes wet as far as early intervention because I really like that age group and I hadn't had tons and tons of experience in it. So I started there and in 2002, I was pregnant with my first child and I had him in March and then I had to go back to school after having him at the end of, towards the middle end of May. So I had like two weeks left. I had to go back. And then I was like, then I kind of decided at that point that I no longer wanted to do that, that I didn't want to be in the school. So I went ahead and resigned and I picked up more kids in the early intervention sector through my own little private practice, which I created at that time, which was children's therapy services. And then come fall, I just dove all in and I hired about 24 speech therapists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, and ECSC specialists. I took out a loan. I did not have the money to do that and just dove right in. So not only was I a brand new mom, but I was also working full time and managing a staff of contractors of about 24. So that was a little bit crazy. I still can't believe I did that. I think that's awesome. Like you clearly, you know, you had a vision, you had a goal, you knew, you know, that there was demand for services and you're like, I'm going to fill this need. Right. So most SLPs take it a little slower. Right. People really start on the side and do it for longer. But I always love hearing of the people who just dove in and who like, again, had a dream and went for it. So now, you know, you're a new mom. You've got this, you know, 24 therapists working for you and everything else. What happened next? We stayed that way for quite a while until I know I wrote down that when I presented this yesterday, I wrote down the dates, but I stayed that way for a while until early intervention really quickly over probably the course of a month or two moved from direct therapy services to coaching. And our two states both then began hiring directly with SLPs and contractors and stopped using contracting companies like mine. And so that was pretty scary for me because pretty much had to go and reinvent my business within a few weeks. I no longer had any contractors. It was just me by myself with zero clients because I went ahead and resigned um, because I really wanted to do direct therapy. It was just in my heart and in my passion to really not only educate families, which I agree you know, with, but I really, really wanted to do that direct therapy piece. And I started having this love for childhood apraxia speech and I really knew children needed that direct therapy so my husband at that point had an office in Overland Park, Kansas, and there were one, two, three, four, five rooms in it and a lobby and a bathroom and a little kitchen, and they weren't using the very back office. So I created a little therapy room back there and I started with one client. And so then I built my caseload up to full time and brought in probably about five more SLPs into that practice. And then I also brought a play therapist in and kicked my husband and my brother out and we took over that entire space. So that was kind of my next step. We were also only private pay at the time. 
And there was like only so much growth we could make within that practice. So it's kind of about these crossroads. It's like, do I want to sell my private practice or do I just want to jump in and take another leap? And so ultimately, I decided to jump in and take another leap. So we signed a lease, which caused me much anxiety because I think that lease was going to probably be about $6,500 a month in you know, payments, that's way more than any house payment or, you know, I'm like, it was really hard decision to make and it felt really scary to me, but we just did it. I built a huge clinic with a preschool room, with a playground, with a sensory room, a big work room, a waiting area, tons of therapy rooms, a kitchen, and we just built it out and we just started taking clients there. So we moved our clinic to there, started taking clients there and gradually grew it to about 120 kids sessions per week. Um, But we still had so much more room for growth. I opened a preschool, closed a preschool, um, did summer camps, stopped doing summer camps, um, you know, just kind of learning what worked for my practice and what didn't. A lot of learning from failure. I think it's really important to try things, right? And I think that as SLPs get tend to be really nervous about, you know, fear of failure. What if it doesn't work? And so a lot of people are going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail at some things. You're going to fail at sections. You're going to fail. But if you take that growth mindset vision and that you got to take and look at what you failed or what didn't work and how to switch it so that you can figure out how to make it work. I mean, Exactly. I think it's so important because we are going to fail. You're going to fail. People see my successes, but they don't see all my failures. There's a lot of them, a lot. So I think that's important to say. So when that happens, you can't get down on yourself or quit. I think it's like when I fail or when something doesn't work, I don't like when people tell me, no, I can't do something. It just drives me that much more. So, you know, that failure is somebody or something or the decisions I make saying, nope. And then I say, you know what? Yep. And we're going to go for it. So totally. I love that. Well, also failure could just be that you tried something and then it was like too much of a drag or it didn't make enough money or it was you had to overstaff it or whatever else. And the failure would be to continue with that. Yeah. Closing my preschool and letting my preschool teachers go was really, really hard for me. I had this vision. I wanted to provide a, a special needs or a classroom for disabled children that would do it right and really be able to bring in the parents and have small numbers. And and we did. And it was wonderful. But ultimately, it was breaking me. And it was breaking, you know, me financially. It was also breaking me mentally and physically because I just couldn't keep it all rolling. It was impossible. So, you know, ultimately, at that point, when we had this big clinic open, um, we decided to shut the preschool down, stop all the summer camps that wasn't working, stop, stop all the groups that wasn't working, and focus on what we were good at, which was speech therapy. So we really just focused on speech therapy. I really dug in and started to specialize in childhood apraxia speech. I only took kids on my caseload that were suspected or diagnosed with childhood apraxia speech or that I diagnosed. And so that allowed me to really dig in and specialize. And then all the other speech therapists in the clinic, the other cases, or even did overflow of apraxia and we worked together and I educated them so that we all grew together to be able to treat that really specific specialty. That's going to be when you also started to become known for that. 
Yeah, I started to become known for that. Maybe a little bit, maybe not, because I think Bjorum's speech publications and me becoming known for apraxia kind of started happening at the same time. Like one built the other, which is really funny because I kind of run, you know, me as far as like my presentations and stuff like that under the heading of Bjorn's speech because it's it would be exhausting to start another business and I just don't have it in me right now, you know, because that's a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that they kind of fed one another, which is great. And, you know, we have the power of social media now, which is not something we had, you know, early on in my career, we didn't have that. So at that point, I hired a clinic director and I started releasing control, which was really, really hard for me to do. And I know that's going to be hard for other speech therapists to do when they're starting a business that's their baby. They financially invested in it. They've emotionally invested in it. They physically invested in it. That becomes hard. But that's probably one of the best things I ever did was hire a clinic director. And it enabled me to really focus on the clients I've had. It also enabled me to grow your speech. The other thing that we did at about the same time, maybe a little bit before hiring my clinic director, is I brought in a business consultant, somebody that owns three clinics in Oklahoma and that owns three speech therapy clinics in Oklahoma and brought him on as a consultant and as our insurance biller. So we went from not taking health insurance to only private pay at about 120 kids a week or 120 sessions a week to taking insurance to over 400 sessions a week. Right. It's a bigger pool of people. And so that's great. But it it does come with more work and more risk. You know, people not paying, trying to set things up, policies in place that you might not otherwise have had. Yeah. I mean, it just comes with a different amount of work, but it also allowed my clinic to grow and it afforded me to be able to pay for a clinic director. We also opened a second location this past year in 2002. So we opened a second location in Kansas City area. So that allowed us to do that and pay cash for it. We didn't have to take out a loan. We're 100% debt-free on both clinics, which is really incredible because you know, going into taking insurance, I was $100,000 in debt in children's therapy services. So once I took that insurance and really started focusing in on what we were good at, which was speech therapy and not summer camps and not preschools, we do have some OT, but speech therapy is our core then that's when things really grew. Plus, we were able to reach more clients and help more clients that potentially may have not been able to afford private pay. And so I feel like we are doing really good things as far as like, you know, being able to service more children under that heading of insurance. So I love that. There's a book that I really like um, that I suggest people read that maybe you've read called The Pumpkin Plan. It's by Mike Michalowicz, who's um, written, you know, uh, Profit First and Clockwork and a bunch of other books. But it basically talks about that idea of like keeping the main thing, the main thing. And if you have the way that pumpkin, I don't know anything about pumpkins, but basically if you're going to grow pumpkins, like you have to focus on making sure that the biggest pumpkin gets bigger because that's where all of the energy is going. And if you have too many things going on, the energy is spread too thin, the money is spread too thin, and none of it grows. And so I love how you kind of cut these different things to focus on the main thing. 
Yeah, we really had to. I mean, and I don't want to discourage people from doing summer camps and things like that, but it was really a huge struggle for me. I'm like, you've got two and a half months. Do people want week-long camps? Do they want summer-long camps? Do they want camps every Tuesday? Do they want camps on Tuesday mornings or Tuesday afternoons? Do they want three to five-year-olds on Tuesday mornings or seven to eight-year-olds on Tuesday afternoons? Like, how in the world do you organize this and get people to sign up for this? Because, you know, the leading factor, parents will call like, oh, that doesn't work for our schedule. Do you have anything else? I'm like, nothing works for anybody's schedule because everybody's schedule is so different. And so finally, I just was like, because it was my dream to like summer camps and groups and sensory stuff. And like, and I did all the thing. I did music therapy. I did all of it. Finally, I was like, done. We're just done. We're cutting it all. And we're just going to fill these rooms every single day with helping kids with speech and language. And it worked. It really did work. But it took me a lot of pain and suffering to get to that point. I think you do have to go through that as a business owner to figure out what worked. So pain is part of it, you guys, right? It's not always easy and you have to make hard decisions And sometimes you have to make hard decisions in order to grow. As I said earlier, sometimes the failure comes because you're holding on to something that isn't working, right? So I think that's really cool. And I I love, Jenny, hearing about just the different ways that you've kind of reinvented yourself and, you know, have started doing, you know, different things. So now we're at the part of the story, right, where you you have a second location. But take us back to when did you start the publication business and all that kind of stuff? Funny thing was, is that I made these homemade speech cues. I have one here on my messy desk somewhere. My desk is messy because we've just been doing so much idea stuff and publishing lately. But I got these speech cues that I, I made them years and years ago, forever ago. And so they're my speech sound cues and I put them on popsicle sticks and I had one set of them and I had them in my therapy room and all my therapists would steal them. And I'd come in, I'm like, where are my speech sound cues? And so Anne and Andrea, who've been my clinic with me forever, were two of my big pushers. They were like, Jenny, you need to publish these speech sound cues. Every speech therapist in the world needs these speech sound cues. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I don't know, you guys, this is crazy. And they're like, we steal them from you all the time. We need it. We need something. And so I was like, okay. And so I reached out to like, I think I spoke with three different publishing companies in the field of speech pathology. We won't mention names. But I pretty much got laughed at. Um, I pretty much was like, no, you need to write a book. And I'm like, no, speech therapists don't want another book to copy and paste. And no, I'm like, I want to create. And my vision was, I want them on popsicle sticks. Like I want, and then, then kind of the vision kind of changed. And then, you know, once they told me no, like I said earlier, well, that just drives me. That lights my fire. And so then I was like, I can do this on my own. I can publish them on my own. And so crazy enough, my husband was in the distribution business. And so he helped me find a contact through China because I print in China. And so I have an entire, like my business is also in China because that's my printing company and my publishing company in China. And so I tried doing it in the United States. It was very, very, very hard. The United States makes it almost impossible to print affordably in the United States. So, you know, this was all part of that journey. I also was referred by another friend, a student that just had graduated from KU. That was an artist, which is Ruthie Ozanoff. She's the illustrator of the Beyond Sweet Talk Youth. 
And I asked her if she wanted to do it and she said yes. And so we partnered together to make this very first product. And I think I spent about $3,000 that I didn't have on the very first order of speech cues. And they were shipped to my house in full-on panic attack. Like I just spent $3,000, $3,000 on this and I have no idea who's going to buy it. That was really scary. It took a year to sell through that first batch. And then the second year we sold twice as much. And now we're buying that much all the time. We can't hardly keep them in stock. I try my best to make sure. I mean, cash flow is hard when you have to purchase that big. So it's just all this learning process. It's so interesting and so much fun and a challenge. And so cool, right, that you had this idea. And the interesting thing, too, is that like you had this idea, you made these cards, you knew that you liked them. And then the therapist knew that you liked them. And like, you know, we all figure out together that like these should be in the hands of more people. Right. I love that you hired a designer. I mean, the look of the cards is incredible. Right. I think that's part of the appeal, too, is just that they just look so awesome and fun. And you've got amazing diversity going like it's just so cool. And like we were both at ASHA this past year and just the the line of people, y'all, lining up to get to Jenny's booth the second that it opened. It was like those Black Friday scenes from like Target like years ago. It was so cool. And I was so happy for you. And I was so proud of, of just someone who's a creator who created this business, you know, multiple businesses and how people are just flocking to, you know, to you, to what you're teaching, to how you're helping kids. It's like the coolest thing ever. So I just wanted to, to say that um, it's really cool what you've built. And I think that it's really important to also share some of the things that didn't work as part of your story. I think it is important to share the things that didn't work. Let me tell you about one thing that really did work. And I feel like younger SLPs need to listen to this closely is that I would not be here without people like you, Jenna, without people like Lisa and Sarah at SLP Toolkit, without people like with Meredith, with Informed SLP. One of the very first things I did, I went to ASHA, my very first ASHA, really. And I was like, I have to figure out a way how to touch and meet and so that these influencers in our field know who I am. So I have to figure out this way. So I was like, how am I going to do this? If these people were the ones that lifted me up and helped me grow and then come back to this, but I'm trying to do the same thing within my business. But I went to Asha and I had these really expensive pens made. And, you know, there was probably about 15 influencers that really stuck out at the time, like 15 influencers that had high follow counts on Instagram. And I was like, I need to be where these people are. So I had these gold pens made and I'd be curious to any of them still have them, but I had them engraved with hashtag Asha Famous. And I gave them all to the influencers. And so that was kind of like the beginning of our relationship. I think that not being afraid to reach out to other people that are making waves in our field. Um, I think um, not being afraid to partner and reach out to help each other and lift each other up is extremely important. And 
all of these people in our field that were in, you know, are influencers or have made a stamp on our field were there and lifted me up to share my products, to share my expertise. And I think one of the most important things to me now that I am an influencer um, and that I've got successful business is to bring in other SOPs and lift them up and give them an opportunity to make a stamp in our field. We are bringing authors on at Bureau Speech all of the time, um, people that maybe you have heard of and people that maybe you have not heard of. But I feel really, really strongly about sharing the love and building a team of experts that have different backgrounds, whether they're influencers or not. I've got people on my team that are influencers. I've got people on my team that are not. But I think it's really, really important and that when you know, you're building a business or that when you're building something that you don't isolate yourself away from the field that you reach out and grab a hand and pull people in and lift them up and support other businesses. So I try really, really hard to do that. And it's been really successful in my business, but it's also creating great friendships and connections. I think that's probably the most exciting part of my job now in today. Yeah. And I think that it's it's important for us to do that, right? You know, we all can acknowledge some of the things that like aren't great in our field, right? And so like, I think it's really important for those of us who do have SLP businesses who are trying to make a difference to do that together, right? And to kind of, you know, support each other and help each other out. And I know I've also certainly benefited from getting to have these really awesome friendships that you wouldn't have Otherwise, but you know, when we work together, it really helps lift our entire profession. And so, you know, thank you, Jenny, for also being one of those, you know, type of people who's who's really doing this. And then certainly in the business world, I think one of the reasons why people are worried about private practice is because they don't want to be lonely, right? It feels like a lonely thing. And so the way to have it not be lonely is to make connections with other private practice owners. And whether that's, you know, local or national or in, you know, different groups and whatnot. It's really important to be in these communities so that you can have other people who know what it's like to hire or decide, am I going to keep the preschool or cut the preschool, right? Well, and, you know, I think the thing is, and I was in an area where there is, you know, at least four practices in and around me. And, you know, it is interesting because if those practice owners listen to this, they probably agree with me that it feels, it does feel kind of lonely because you don't necessarily you know, dig in and co-op and especially if they're it's speech therapists versus, you know, and speech therapists. So there is a little bit of that tension, but there's plenty enough business to go around. So many kids that need this help. That's so many kids. And why not have those good relationships instead of being nitpicky and it's really hard. I get it. I understand because I've been in it for 22 years and there's been some hard relationships with companies that are near mine, but why not? Why not do it for the kids? Why not? I mean, it's it's not like we're making millions of dollars owning a private practice. We're not, but we can be honest about that. We're not. It's not going to make you a rich person, but it's definitely, well, you know, you can live off of it and have a livelihood off of it. But there's just no reason for it. There's just, we should be partnering. 
Well, and especially so. we all have different interests, right? So that if someone in your area has apraxia, well, they're going to go to you, right? But if somebody, you know, if maybe maybe you guys don't do feeding or maybe you do, I don't know, but maybe or fluency. I don't you do just, summer camps. I don't do don't summer, just camps. summer camps. People refer people to the other summer camp places. Boom. You know, I mean, that's great. You know, do you do summer camps? No, but I think this clinic and this clinic does, you know, we're fine. Yeah. I mean, don't be afraid. I'd say don't be afraid to jump out on your own. And you don't have to start big like I did. I mean, I didn't start big. I did two months of small and then I went big. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, you know, I when people say I want to build a brick and mortar with all the therapists, I kind of like <laughs> a little bit just because I've been through it for over 20 years. And it's a lot. It's exhausting. I mean, get an accountant, get an attorney. Don't think you can do it yourself because you can't. Um, because you're going to be paying taxes at the end of the year that you didn't realize you owe. So what is my advice? Get an accountant. But it's true. Like that's about leveraging other people's expertise, right? People come to us for our expertise and for help within our scope of practice, right? Finances and taxes and all that stuff is really out of our comfort zone and, and out of our scope, right? So just like we would want people to come to us for our expertise we need to go to other people for their expertise, including accountants, attorneys. Yeah, totally. For sure. I definitely hands down think that's so important. It was funny because I was when I was presenting for those grad students last night, they were like, what's one piece of advice you would give? And I said, get an accountant. <laughs> because I mean, you just you think you can do it on your own. But I know I, I know so much now. I mean, I even did. Last year, I did a uh, like what you need to know for taxes purposes as an SLP. I have it on my Teachable. It's free. Anybody can go watch it um, because it's like I know so much now, but I don't want to do it. Just because I know it doesn't mean I want to do it. And I do recommend it in there. Get on my accountant. But that's definitely if you can get somebody to do your finances and take care of that stuff for you, you can have time to pick up two or three more kids that will cover that cost. And you don't have to do it. And then you're not going to be in a position or a financial position that's tough and hard. And you can learn and ed get educated in that area. So hands down, for sure, that would be my hugest recommendation. Yeah, I love that. Um, OK, so what would you say is the future of your practice and your publication company? You know, my practice, I'm here in Colorado. My practice is in Kansas City. Um, I talked to my people there maybe once a week and they just were running it, which I guess that's just something to be really proud of. Like, I'm very, very proud of that. Like eight hours away and my practices are running and thriving without me having to be there. I think that's probably the ultimate goal for anybody, especially when you're almost 50 like me. I think that's really cool. So um, I love that for CTS. Um, Bjorn's speech, we're just going to kill it. We are literally going to kill it. We are going to make our products the most diverse, inclusive, beautiful art in the speech therapy field. We just were breaking into the literacy field with Bjorn Literacy. So we've kind of got this heading of Bjorn Speech and Bjorn Literacy because they're so connected and we need beautiful, awesome products that are functional, up-to-date research-based in the field of literacy as well. And so because speech and literacy are so connected, we think that that's going to be 
really, really awesome. So that's one of our new goals. We are currently in the process of about 24 new products. Um, we're in full in art. We're full in uh, writing, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of new products going to be coming out again. We're listening to the voices of SLPs and teachers of what they need, what they want. And we're creating those products and we're bringing specialists, uh, researchers, experienced SLPs. They're like, you know what? I use this in my practice. I think other SLPs could use it. That's how I started the arm speech sound cues. We're just working really hard to partner with SLPs in the community that want to create and need new products. So it just it's just going to blow up. I'm so excited. I love that for you and I love that for us, right? And I love that for the people we serve, right? Like they're all good things are coming for this all because like you made it happen, right? You had this dream, you had this goal and you rolled with it and you allowed yourself to reinvent yourself over time. Like would young Jenny, would, you know, brand new SLP Jenny who was doing EI and whatnot have ever thought that this is what you would be doing now? Never, ever in a million years, never Owning two clinics, never being a specialist, never being asked to go to Greece to present for 12 hours, never own it, never. Actually, you know what a really funny story is, is that when I was teaching in the schools and I was pregnant with Colby, my husband's like, you should really start your own business. You should start your own business. And I literally looked at him and I was like, I'm not an entrepreneur, I told him. And I'm like, as much as an entrepreneur as you possibly in the world could get. I've probably had 20 businesses over the past 20 years, and I've got two that have succeeded and lots that have failed. Like I said, you see my successes, but you don't necessarily see my failures. But there's a lot of them, which is just funny. He still jokes about that today. He was, remember that time you told me you weren't an entrepreneur? I was like, I sure do. Yeah. Well, you know, my dad said the same thing. My, you know, when I, he is a businessman and he always wanted me to go into business. And I didn't want to do business because business was boring and I was a helping people person. And so then I said, I'm going to go to grad school for speech therapy. And, and he was disfluent as a child. So he had gotten speech therapy, you know, back in, I don't know, the 50s or whatever. And so then I said, OK, I'm going to go be a speech therapist. He's like, oh, maybe you can have a private practice. Like, maybe that's how you can be in business. And at the same time, I was like, no, dad, but I don't want to do that. Right. Well, here I am. So it is funny how sometimes other people see things in us that we don't necessarily see in the beginning. But I think we have to allow ourselves to step into new identities and to explore new identities, right? There's so many SLPs who are like, you know, but I'm, you know, just a school SLP or like I'm just, you know, a hospital SLP. And then they have an opportunity to maybe see a private client and they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm not a private private. I don't have a business background or whatever. But like you can learn just like we learned clinical skills. You can learn business skills. You can. I'm 100% self-taught on all my business skills. Actually, when I first opened CTS, I went and spent hours at the SBA office reading books, reading how to write a business plan, reading how to just everything, the difference between an LLC and an S-Corp and a C-Corp and, you know, all the things like what what kind of business entity would I need to be? Can I get an SBA loan? What, you know, what do I need to do? I mean, I spent hours, this is before the, you know, any of it was on the internet. And, you know, I would, I just go down there and flip through their books. And I remember in Kansas City, I did that. So it's so cool that what we have at our fingertips, I just don't want 
what's expected in the field of the speech pathology of you to define you because you can do so much more. There's so much a speech therapist can do. It's so cool. You know, Lauren Klein, she works for me. I hired her over a little over a year ago. She had a little private practice in her house. Now she's working for Beyond Speech. She, that's taken over all of her private practice. She only sees one child, which is mine. So she sees my daughter, Libby, in the uh, two nights a week. And then the rest of the time she's working for Beyond Speech. And she's learned so much about business and shipping and distribution and online work and marketing. And I mean, she never dreamed that she would be in that type of speech therapist role, but I have to have a speech therapist work for me because nobody else understands what we. No, and I get that. I have now also all SLPs working for me too. You Maybe you try to hire someone who doesn't speak our language or I did that and I'll never go back, right? Like it, the time saved, honestly, and like the quality of, you know, whether it's customer service or coaching or whatever by having SLPs. So yeah, I'm all in with you with that. Yeah. It's so funny because my husband said in one time, he's like, I can maybe help you with some sales calls. I was like, why don't you sit on one? And then at the end of the sales call, he's like, I really need to tell you something about your meeting. I was like, what did I do? And he's like, yeah, I can't do that. Like, you know, speech therapist speak, speech therapy speak. And I'm like, we start talking about minimal pairs and clusters and queuing and, and, and DTTC and childhood practice speech and all these things. And he's just like, huh? I like, yeah, nobody can connect with a speech therapist like a speech therapist can connect with a speech therapist. It's just, just not possible. So. Totally. And okay, so to wrap up, speaking of connecting, where can people find you um, to learn more about you and your products and resources? So everything out there is Bjorum speech. So it's B-J-O-R-E-M speech. It's funny because we get a lot of Bjorum speech, but it's actually Bjorum. But if you mispronounce it, I won't hold it against you. So the website's Beyond Speech, Instagram's Beyond Speech, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook, all are Beyond Speech. So you can find us all in those spots. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for sharing both the successes and, you know, the air quotes failures that got you to where you are right now, because people need to see that, you know, you don't just wake up one day and you're Jenny Bjorn, right? You, it takes a process to get there. And it takes a process of truly blood, sweat, and tears. So thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Well, thank you for listening. I hope maybe that will help somebody when they're making a decision to go out on their own or do something. Um, not listen to that no or, um, you know, or if they do have a failure or they feel stuck to keep persevering because it really does work. You just, you just have to keep at it. So, well, thank you again, Jenny. Okay, don't you just love Jenny? I've been a fan of her for years as a business owner, and learning about her private practice and publishing journey was such a special treat. If there's one lesson that I'll take away from this podcast, it's that it's okay to recognize different seasons of a business and that you'll try some things and some things will work and some things won't work as expected, and that it's okay to stop doing things and make space and time for other things to grow. But if you don't try stuff, nothing is going to work. I can't wait to continue watching how Jenny grows her business and changes the lives of both clients and clinicians in the process. If listening to this episode inspired you to start or grow your private practice, I can help. 
please visit independentclinician.com to learn about our two main programs. The Start Your Private Practice program, which is for beginners looking to get set up and started the right way, and the Grow Your Private Practice program, which is for private practitioners who already have clients and are committed to building a sustainable private practice to the six and multi-six-figure level. Again, visit independentclinician.com for details. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Till then. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.